I want you to tap your neighbor. Tap your neighbor and say, you're worth it. Tap your neighbor. Let me hear you say, you're worth it. If you're not close to a neighbor, just scream at somebody and say, even though I'm not sitting beside you, you too are worth it. Come on, somebody. You're worth it. You're worth it. Because here's the thing. This word keeps like ringing in my ears this week, and I want you to see it on the screen, unworthy, unworthy. And like I, Here's what, y'all know what this means because, because we've used worthy or worth or it's, it's, worth is just simply the value or the, the amount that we believe something means or is worth and so like if, if I tell you the worth of, of my ring it costs I think $35 it's tungsten carbide so it's not worth a whole lot to you but to me it's worth a whole lot more because it represents that my beautiful bride decided that she wanted to be my beautiful bride and it's pretty awesome to me. And so just because you don't think it's worth a whole lot because I didn't pay a whole lot doesn't mean that I don't think it's worth a ton because the representation of what it is means so much to me. And I want you to know that that's the case for you today is just because you don't see the value in you doesn't mean that the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords doesn't see the value in you because you're so much more valuable than you believe because the God of the universe thought enough of you to send Jesus. And he didn't just send him to die. He sent him to live for you, to give you hope, to give you breath in your lungs, and then to pay a price that you couldn't possibly pay so that you could have life in his name. And so I believe the biggest problem that I have on a consistency basis, not salvation, but a consistency basis, is the fact that I'm not positive I believe that I'm really worth it. And in turn, what I'm telling God is, God, look at all my screw-ups. I need you to evaluate why I'm not worth it. And I'm just telling you this morning that the God of the universe looks at you and says, if you just ever really believe me, the whole thing that I said, this whole thing that I've set up, this whole reason that I did what I did, it would shift something in your life and change. And when all that junk comes against you, it would give you so much hope because you would begin to put it in the place that it's supposed to be and say, that's why it's coming. See, the enemy never fights an enemy like you if there's not a reason for it. And so for every one of you that have had all of hell come against you this week, thanks be to God that you are on the offensive back against him and he is on the defensive running away because the gates of hell can't, can't, can't stand against you. Because you have King Jesus inside of you, Christian. And so today, this is what I want to set up. We're going to show a video in just a second. And I want you to understand the, the context behind it. Peter, who's one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible, had been through this amazing journey. And at the very end of this journey with Jesus and his life on earth, he was the one that stepped up and said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. He was the one that that just a, an hour before probably had cut the ear off of the disciple in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he said, I'll never betray you. I'll never betray you. I'll, I, I will never. And then in this place, right outside of Caiaphas' house that you're going to see in just a second, the turn that happened that many of us feel today, and we, we've never been in this exact place, but we've said, I will stand with Jesus. And then by our lifestyles or by our actions or by something that maybe you did yesterday, you didn't show that you knew him, and it buried you. And I want you to see this as we start unworthy. 
I'm standing outside the house of Caiaphas and the significance of these steps are they were uncovered not too long ago and they've dated them, archaeologists have dated them about 120 BC and the significance of that is that we know for sure A plus site meaning they know 100% fact that this was the stairwell that took you from the upper room down to the Kidron Valley which was the Garden of Gethsemane and if you were heading back up you would have gone this way. Now these are the steps and this is the way that they would have brought Jesus to the trial that would have happened right inside the house of Caiaphas. But, but here's something else. Right around here, what's even more amazing is while Jesus was being tried, a group of people would have been outside here in a courtyard area, somewhere around these steps. And it's where when Jesus said, Peter, you'll deny me three times, and he said, I will never do that. I would rather die than deny you. This is the exact location where Peter denied Christ, right here. The same steps that he walked up, the same steps that he walked down, Jesus walked up and down these steps the night that he was arrested, the night before he would be crucified. And then Peter, imagine being Peter in this place, knowing that Jesus was in here being flogged, being beaten, and being illegally tried. And you're outside with campfires right down here. Imagine this is the place where the rooster crowed three times Peter had denied Christ and then the rooster crowed. So, so imagine this, imagine being Peter right down here and seeing Jesus come out after being tried, being taken across the way to Pilate's house and seeing Jesus. Imagine what that was like. Imagine the defeated feeling knowing that you have no hope, knowing that you have on the day that Jesus needed you the most and you were the disciple that puffed his chest up and said, I can, I will and you didn't, and you can't. How would Jesus react? What would you do? And from there, where would we go? This is the location that brings me so much hope because it didn't stop here. This was not the end of the story. As a matter of fact, for Peter, this was only the beginning. I'm just telling you, that, that location right there, just, I, when I'm there, and, I, and obviously that's, the best we can do is a video, and it's, it's really amazing. But to be standing there and to realize that little spot, it's probably, what, 10 steps down, it opens up a little bit. And if you can just get the context, because when, when they showed you the bigger view and you could see the house uh, just over my left shoulder this way, uh, if, you could, if you could just get the context of what's taking place right there, that's a house that was the high priest's house. And in just a second, in Luke chapter 22, we're going we're gonna to read about that Jesus was starting in the high priest's house. Now listen, in the basement of that house, there's these, there's these places that you can see, like holding cells where Jesus was beaten, but also the place where Jesus was tried. And then they took him to Pilate's house and back and forth. But, but it was in that context. It was in that place. And it was in that moment that I believe some of us walk in on a, on a basis of, of every single day, all the time in our lives, what we, what we think is today I'm going to make a difference. And then we walk out and then something comes against us. And the thing that we swore we would never do, some of you it's in your marriage. Some of you it's at your job with ethics. Some of you it's something much different. But it's the thing that you swore you'd never do or the thing that you swore you'd never do again and then as soon as that comes against me, I cower down, and I flee, and I run. And then 
To say that I feel unworthy is, is a gross understatement because how could I possibly let this happen? Look at this, Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn. If you have your tablets, I'd love you to turn. If you have a worship guide, I'd love you to take notes because I'm telling you this is something for everybody. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life or if today's your first time. So get out your notes, and if you're not moving, then that's okay. I still love you, but get out your notes anyway. Then they seized Jesus. So just imagine... And if you could see in those steps down and you see like this, these trees, this group of trees, and you could tell it was in a distance. That's what's called the Kidron Valley. And then in the, in the distance of that, in the very bottom of that, is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. We're going to come from there next week because it's Palm Sunday. And you do not want to, I'm telling you, the next two weeks, if you miss them, don't miss them, whatever you got to do. Listen. But they seized Jesus from there. They arrested him, and Peter was still bowed up. I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. To the point that he had just cut dude's ear off and Jesus put it back on. And I like him. I like him for that. I like to feel like I would have done that. But the problem is, I feel like I might have done this too. And they brought him up to the high priest's house, which is where I was standing. It's in that exact location. And Peter was following at a distance. And so we don't know how far back, but they definitely went up those steps. And when they had kindled a fire in that little courtyard, it wasn't a big area, but it was right outside that, the house. They sat down. Excuse me, Peter sat down among all the people and he was just trying to get close enough to find out what was going on. But if he went in the house, he would be arrested. And here's what happened. A servant girl who most likely, I think the book of Mark says that she was young, a young girl. So let's say, let's say a sixth grader or a fifth grader or even younger than that. This, this, this small person compared to you, the adult who's been walking with Jesus and who who is so bold enough that an hour earlier probably you cut a Roman soldier who, he should have been killed at that moment, right? So if we put it into context, he was so bold standing with Jesus that he would do whatever, but as soon as Jesus left, all of his boldness left because he found his identity that he was one of the boys. But he didn't find his identity in the fact that King Jesus was his savior. And I feel like that's so many of us as we find our identity by our last name or how much money we have or what our job is or any other thing other than the fact that God breathed life into Mark Pangle. And it's not that I stand up here, it's not that I preach, it's not that I do anything else that I should find my identity. It's not that my last name is Pangle, and I'm proud of that, but that is not where I find my identity. And if it is in these moments, or when I turn and run. said so a servant girl seeing him sat in the light, looking closely at him, can you, can you picture it in that, in, that, in that place? And she said, no, this is one of the dudes, right? This is, he was with Jesus. And he denied it saying, little girl, What's wrong with you, right? I don't know him. And I, 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 this is just me. The Bible doesn't say this, and, and so I'm reading into it. But I just picture, he never even thought about denying him. He was worried about him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today, that in those moments you start worrying about you and trying to make sure that your house isn't falling apart and your stuff isn't and your job isn't? Do y'all know what I mean today? And I could just picture him right here going, I don't know what, what you're talking about and never even considering Jesus. I don't think Peter intentionally did this, but your intentions are not what leads to good or bad. Your direction through the Holy Spirit is what leads you to your destination. And I feel like we so often say, well, I didn't mean to. I thought about this when I, when I was writing stuff out this week. I remember it was probably 10 years ago. I was leaving my dad's shop and I pulled out and, uh, <laughs> and, and this lady 
just we had an amazing collision and I was driving a Chevy Lumina van which was a blessing from God anyway come on somebody if y'all ever drove a Chevy Lumina van that thing started itself twice I'm not making this up and so praise God we got into a wreck and it was gone but here's the immediate thought that I have have y'all ever done this I was trying to be nice to somebody else at that moment and let them come out. And it's on 29, and it's, it's, it, y'all would probably know where it is if I explained it to you, not far from upward in the lake. And so I'm pulling out and going left towards Spartanburg. And, I'm, and I pulled out to the second lane, to the, to the outside lane, and this woman hit me. If I'd have pulled to the inside lane like I should have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten into a wreck. And I immediately, this was my thought. God. I was trying to be nice to somebody. Why did this happen? If, if I hadn't been doing this for somebody else, and I started blaming everybody else but me. Have y'all ever done that before? Have y'all ever done that before? Yes. Has your kids ever done Have your kids ever done that? Yes. Anybody that didn't say yes is lying. Come on, somebody. Like, we know because we just did not. We, like, we don't deny things most of the time. Or we don't, we don't feel this way. I, I've said so many times I got, I got a ticket a few years later, and then a few years later, and then a few, and then six more. Like, I got a few tickets because, and this is what I think. If I had just been, if I hadn't gone and got Leah, you know, trying to be nice to her, it's her fault. Nobody else has ever felt this way. I was doing something for somebody else, and, and so I shouldn't get this punishment. And this, this, the devil made me do it. And I, this, is, this is my life. I'm just letting y'all in. Y'all are looking at me like y'all have seen a ghost this morning. It's the Holy Ghost of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like, but, but this is real. This is our lives. We, we think things like this. But God, I was, and we bury ourselves in denial because we're trying to find our identity in what we do and don't do rather than in the king of all kings. And it doesn't matter why you did what you did sometimes. It matters where you're going. And if you're going without Jesus, it doesn't matter how good you look, how great you sound, or how eloquent you are. You're going to end up in a really bad way in a really big hurry. And especially when Jesus just told you you're fixing to deny me three times and you look at him and say, I'd rather die. That's almost like a recipe that you should just stay home, lock yourself in, and, and we can't do that. we got to live our lives. But, but that's the danger, and that's my life. That's how I live life. Is I say, I'll never do these things. Listen to me carefully. If you don't get anything else, get this from today. The second that you say, I'll never have that happen to me, thank God that that's not me. Run! Because you may not be today, but before God, we're all, we're all 30 seconds from a really stupid decision. And it may not take Mark Pangle 30 seconds. Come on, somebody. It may take me that long, and I'm already there. And the second that I think I've got this God fist bound, look what I did today. But bam, right? Look what I've done. I'm awesome. It, this place about to blow. Nobody. All right, here we go. Y'all need to, to get these because I'm laying some funny things down. And y'all, it's really a nine o'clock service, Pastor. We had to spring forward. All right, here we go. Next verse. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you the one. <laughs> That's you. You're, you're the alpha of this 12, right? I know you. And Peter said, no, I'm not, bro. What's wrong with you? Right? Next one. And after that, there was a little bit of time that passed by an hour and still he and another person insisted. Certainly this man was with him for he too is a Galilean. We know you. You're, you are that dude. And here's what Peter said. Man, I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
I don't even know what you're talking not, not, no, 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 not, not, not the little denials. He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And the more that we dig in our lives, the more that we dig deeper, because we refuse to own up and say, it doesn't matter that I was pulling out to try to help somebody else. It doesn't matter that Leah asked me to go and I was trying to do something. It doesn't matter why or where. Or it matters if God is at the center or not. And the point that I try to be my own satisfaction, my own fulfillment, my own desire, and I try selfishly, and I do it every day I have to fight against this, that I, me, and my is who we get. And no matter if I'm reaching out trying to help, or I'm doing whatever, if I'm doing it for my own selfish ambition, I'm trying to find worth in what you think about me, and Peter was trying to find his worth at this point with, I want to roll with Jesus as long as rolling with Jesus means the miracle. But as soon as rolling with Jesus doesn't mean that, that I don't want to find my worth in him anymore. I'll find my worth in whoever else wants to do their thing. Because what they thought is he was going to build this kingdom and they were going to get to be, you know, the dudes, right? The person that you want to be. And as soon as it turned, everybody but John turned and ran. And listen, this is what it says. Somebody say this word. Say it again. See, the last time we used immediately, it was a good thing because it was the storm and Jesus came to the disciples. But in this case, I can't imagine the weight that Peter felt. I, I, listen, in that spot, I don't think there's anything magical about a spot. I don't think you should ever worship a rock because <laughs> it's weird and it's still just a rock. But there's something about that place that I look in and say, I feel my life is right there. I feel, like, I feel like there's a fire going right now. I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of that campfire because immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. I promise y'all this is true. We got done shooting that film, and y'all could see the bigger picture, and it was like, these cats are all watching me, and I'm going to screw up, and I'm going to have drool come down, and I'm going to do the Ted Cruz and have a booger come out. Y'all saw that. Don't lie. And all heck is going to break loose, and I don't know what's going to happen. So you just try to finish it, and you try to make sure nothing happens. And before God, I promise you, we finished filming in a rooster crow. And I said, that was crazy. I looked at Austin and me and said, did you get that? Because that's nuts. That's crazy. And he did. But my next thought was, if I failed to wait when that rooster crowed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Jerusalem on an average January day, what weight did Peter feel when that rooster crowed? Before the rooster crows, you'll, you'll deny me three times. And right after he said that, the rooster crowed. And I just, you just, we, we, the four of us that were out there at that time, just, we felt this weight. And I got emotional standing right there this past January. Third time I've been in this spot. And I felt this weight like, why, Jesus, do you choose screw-ups like me and this guy named Peter, who at the moment that you said on this rock I'll build my church, he puffed his chest out and said, okay, that's me. But I don't know that in human history anyone has felt more worthless and unworthy of God's love than this man in this moment. And then look what happens. Y'all remember growing up? whether it was your parents or your grandparents, whoever raised you, your uncle and aunt, the one that disciplined you. You remember when they didn't have to say anything, they just had to look at you? You know what I'm talking about? And that disappointment that you felt when they caught you, 
and you wished, if y'all grew up like me, we got spankings. Come on, somebody. Like, you wish you could have gotten a spanking in that moment because you were 16, and hopefully your parents didn't still spank you. Oh, y'all like, this is awkward. I did still get spankings. But like, but like in that moment, they look at you. And it's not even a look of I hate you. It's not a look of disappointment. It's just a look of I tried to tell you. And it's that look, that first time in your life where you know why they were punishing you when you were growing up. Because they weren't doing it to be jerks. And you're not doing it to be jerks. You're doing it to prevent these kind of catastrophes from taking place in their life that is life-altering and they'll never want to go back to where they are. Parents stink. They just want to take all my fun. No, they love you and God the Father loves you and he's trying to not have your life be wrecked. But in these moments when he looked at Peter and when you're standing there, you just look at what it would have been like for Jesus to walk out of that house and what that look would have been like. A look of compassion. A look of I still love you. And I can't imagine the crippling weight that that would have been. He remembered the Lord saying, How, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And, he, and then Peter ran out and wept bitterly. And we know that that night Jesus was taken to Pilate's house and he was crucified the next day. The death that he died was unbelievably overwhelming. It was awful. And then Peter saw the resurrected Jesus because after three days Jesus rose again. And he celebrated and they saw him and but then after the course of a few days and he had seen him, he went back to the place that he was from because here's the deal. Even though Jesus rose from the dead, what else are you going to do? you got to go back and fish because that's who you are. That's your identity. That's, that's where you find your satisfaction. And so this is a short video, but I want you to see this because it's on the Sea of Galilee. And I believe it's probably almost, if not, I mean, it's razor close to where they were when they were fishing in John 21. And Jesus had this amazing encounter with him that brings worth into light. Watch this. So the beach right here that you can see off in the distance is what's called Peter's Primacy, and that's the location that Peter was reinstated into ministry after he denied Christ, after he came back. He saw the resurrected Jesus in Jerusalem. He rejoiced, he was excited, but then he was defeated. There was nothing else for him to do. And so he came back and he was fishing, probably right where we are right now. And in that spot right there, where you can kind of see a beach, is where Peter was reinstated into ministry. And that's called, they, they actually named it Peter's Primacy. That's one of my favorite spots because I can just picture the campfires in that spot right there and the guys just hanging out. And Peter being right in this area and having fished all day and Jesus yelling across this lake, throw your nets to the other side. And what a frustration that would have been for Peter who's like, man, I've just denied Jesus. He didn't know it was him. I've just denied Jesus three times. I don't feel like someone telling me what to do. He does it. He realizes it's Jesus at that point because he recognizes his voice and he comes back in and in that spot right there he says, do you love me, Peter? Well, you know I do. Well, feed my sheep. Well, no, no, do you love me, Peter? You know I love you, Jesus. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Follow me. And of all the places that I get to visit, and we've been here in Israel, that, that may be my favorite spot because it gives me so much hope for how many times I've screwed up. No matter how far you go, 
His hometown in Capernaum is right there. But he came back to him. Think about this. He came back from Jerusalem and came all the way here to see Peter. And he just wanted a relationship with him. And I just love it. I love the fact that Jesus comes to you and he's waiting on you. And at any moment, you can come to him and follow him. I just think it's an amazing spot here on the Sea of Galilee. So being that close to the to the to the shore, you can get such a cool picture from the sea. I just love that. You can, you can experience it and what that would have been like and having that feeling of unworthy. I mean, I, I literally cannot grasp what Peter's life was like at that moment because Jesus was resurrected and it was a couple weeks after that. And so he was certainly rejoicing. But at the same time, you know in your life the thing that you can't get over. You know in your life, when you were eight years old and you got abused, you cannot get over it. And you know that when you were a teenager and what you did to somebody else and you can't get over it. And Jesus not only loved Peter still, but he came to that journey all the way down. It's two and a half hours in a bus. I don't know what it would have taken for Jesus And he just stands on the shore. He says, throw your nets to the other side. 153 fish are in that net, which is the max. Should have tipped the boat over. And the net doesn't break, which is a miracle in itself. And as soon as he hears Jesus' voice the second time, Peter's like, I'm out of here. And he jumps out. Can you picture it from kind of where I was? And he's swimming to the side. And I just want to read you a couple verses in John 21. I love this chapter. It says, when they had finished breakfast, after this they ate breakfast, and when they had finished breakfast, he said, do you love me more than any of these? And he says, yes, Lord. He says, well, feed my sheep. And verse 16 says, well, I'm going to ask you the second time, do you love me? Tend to my sheep. And then the third time he says, do you love me, Peter? And, and he was deeply grieved because he had said it twice already. And he said, then feed my sheep. This is the verse that jacked me up so bad this week, y'all, and I think it's going to shift something in your life right now. If you'll just open up, if you haven't listened so far, if you'll open up to this, he says, listen, I said to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. And you went wherever you wanted to go. But, but God, I'm going with good intentions to stop going where you want to go and listen to me. You stretched out your... You just did what you wanted, but listen, when you're old, and, and I, used to, I thought this meant like when I mature in age, but it means when the Holy Spirit of God has control of your life, when he shifts something, when he takes hold of you, not just an experience, but an everyday with Jesus, every day with his spirit filling you, every day knowing that it's not about where I've been, what I've done, or who my name is, because he put his name in me, and that name is above every name. And the reason that in the middle of a storm I can have such great victory is his name, Jesus, not my name, Mark. And if I get this, I start, stop going where I want to go, even with good intentions, and I start saying, Jesus, stretch out your hand, because another will dress me. And it doesn't mean that he put my clothes on this morning. It means that he clothed me in his glory and honor. And it means that he comes out because he is in. And when people see me, they still see Mark. They still see this face. But they experience Jesus because he is in me. And if I do it on my own, they may get a little bit. 
But if I ever say, God, it's all about you, then they will truly experience another one that will dress me and carry me wherever you do not want to go. And listen, this is crazy, verse 19. This he said to show the kind of death that was to glorify God. And I've always thought that meant the fact that Peter was, was crucified upside down. And I do believe it's symbolic to that, but that word death means something else. Because after this he said, follow him, and it's the word thaneatos. <laughs> and it's a figurative death of myself and life in the spirit. And he said, listen, listen, you have tried so hard and you have gone and you have been bold and you have claimed and you said I was the Christ, but, but in just a few days, a couple weeks later, he ascended. And 10 days after that, the spirit of God fell on them in the upper room called Pentecost in Acts 2. And it changed everything. And the man that denied Christ and was so afraid he ran from Jerusalem, stood in the temple, immediately should have been killed. And 3,000 were saved. And on the steps of the temple, on the southern steps, 3,000 were baptized on that day, proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And that does not happen with good intentions. That happens when this death comes to his life and his life comes to my death. That is a good word. Somebody needs to say amen up in this place. And this, next thing, somebody needs to say amen in this place. And I love these words right here, and I want you to see them because I'm telling y'all right now, it's beautiful. This is the song that we're going to sing in just a second. And this is the invitation today. Oh, come to the altar. God the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I want you to see something about this word bought. This is why you're worthy. You're not worthy because I think you're worthy. And I'm not trying to give you a motivational spill today. You're worthy because the precious blood of Jesus Christ is your worth. There's, there's like four or five times in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 7, it says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but it says you were bought with a price. That word bought with a price is the Greek word time, which is where we get honor, but it actually means value or worth. And the worth, oh my goodness, the worth that God thought of you is not, it's not how much you cost, but the precious blood of Jesus. That's what he associates your worth with. And every single second that I say, God, I'm not worth it. What you're saying is, God, he shed his blood in vain. God, he never should have died for me. God, I know this thing better than you do, and I do not care where you've been. I don't care how bad it's been, and I don't care what you've done. You were worth it. You were worth it. You were worth it because Jesus said you're worth it, and your worth isn't who you are. Your worth isn't where you've been. Your worth isn't what, what number of people know your name. Your worth is the precious blood of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we had a baptism here, and it was, it was a great day in general, but it was a really special day for me, and I know skeptics might think this is a photo, photographic, like, Kodak moment, but I need you to know that this is raw. <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't want my face wrinkled up if I was trying to get a Kodak moment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I would, be, I would be cheesing. But here was my thought, and I don't know if y'all were here or not for the second service, but this is what I said, and it's not like... I didn't plan this. I just say this to my daughter every day. Baby girl, your daddy doesn't love you because you're getting baptized today. Every day I say this to them. 
your daddy doesn't love you because you're really pretty and you're really tall and you're really crazy and you're going to be a great athlete and daddy's going to coach you and that's not why I love you. I love those things about you, but I love you because you're mine. And then I baptized her and I, when she came out of the water, I just love to stare at that picture. And this is why. Lord, <clears throat> I love my daughter, man. I love my kids. Oh my goodness, I love them. But I do not love my kids like God loves you. And forgiveness for all of your crap was bought with the beautiful blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the picture, but in a much more pure sense of God the Father waiting on you to stand up and say, I want forgiveness because it was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. So your invitation today is to come to the altar because the Father's arms are open wide and your forgiveness is not by trying harder or doing a certain number of certain things, but simply saying, Jesus, my arms are opening up to yours. I love you back. I need the Father's love today. And so with everybody looking around, I'm, I'm going to offer you two possibilities to come today. The first one is if you've never met Jesus as Savior, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. No manipulation, no excitement. I just want you to stand to your feet and say, I need the Father's love through the blood of Jesus Christ to, 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 to rescue me in my worthlessness, in my feeling of hurt, in my shame. If that's you, stand up, whoever you are in this room. Second invitation, because I believe most of you are saved. If you've had a terrible week, and if no one moves, I'm cool. This isn't on me. But if you've had a terrible week and you felt worthless and you don't know where to turn, I'm inviting you to make your chair or stand up or come down here and truly have an altar as we sing, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide because listen to me, forgiveness was bought with something much greater than a microphone and much greater than my words. It was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so thankful that we get to celebrate the name that's above every name, Jesus. And no matter what we believe about ourselves, our worth is 100% found because you bought us. And my name is no longer just Mark, but my name has been changed. And the Lamb of God took away my sin and shame and gave me life in your own name. Thank you, Jesus, for making me your son and for offering it to all of us and making us worthy in Jesus' name. And everybody said...